0: I wanna get right into this, man. Um I, I, I titled this uh something for the haters. So this week I caused quite a stir, it seems, with uh two of my tweets. I had two tweets that went viral. Now I don't know what the definition of viral is specifically for Twitter, but for me it's a tweet that gets thousands of likes, thousands of retweets, comments, whatever. I know there are dudes out there that get millions of likes and stuff. I'm not operating on that level, okay? For me, if it's getting thousands of likes or whatever, that's a viral tweet. And I've had two of them, both related to Deontay Wilder. So, of course, uh, those of you who follow me regularly and you listen to my stuff, you watch my stuff, you read my stuff, you know what all that was and what it was not. But, of course, there's that fringe element that lives in a bubble, that doesn't quite realize they live in a bubble because they live in the bubble and everyone they talk to agrees and thinks the exact same way they do. So they think their opinions are mainstream, never understanding that they are uh, the extreme. They're on the fringes of society. But of course, some of these guys uh, waited at me and, some of the Twitter responses, uh, and I should, I should state, for those of you who aren't on Twitter, you don't follow me. One of the tweets was a matter-of-fact statement I made uh, related to how Anthony Joshua handled his loss to Andy Ruiz immediately in like the first year after that loss, what he had accomplished and done. And I compared that to Deontay Wilder. Who, you know, a year after his first loss to Tyson Fury, still has nothing scheduled. I understand we're following a pandemic and everything, but he has had offers. He had an offer to fight Charles Martin. He priced himself out of that. Him and his team only started talking about the third fight with Fury after the contractual deadline had passed. Now they're trying to go into arbitration and everything, and they're trying to get it worked out in the court. At most, all they're going to get out of it is some step aside money. Tyson Fury and his team want to go full. Steam ahead with the Anthony Joshua fight. Now, of course, I can't explain all that in one tweet. Um, so, I, you know, I, there's a character limit. But I made a statement just, and it's pretty obvious, the point I was making, how Anthony Joshua handled his loss, how Deontay Wilder has handled his loss. Now, for the record, I got nothing against Deontay Wilder. But he's making this, this story is ongoing because he keeps making it a story. Of course, you guys know Mark Breland Uh, made uh, answer questions about Wilder in a podcast he recently did. And what does Wilder do? He immediately responds and talks more shit. He doubles down further on Breland, which forced Breland to respond to Wilder's response on his Instagram profile. Um, And I tweeted a link to that Instagram post that Breland made on my Twitter. So anyway, there's this one Twitter with a, with a photo of Wilder knocked down by fury And I give a breakdown real quick because there's a character limit on the differences between the year following AJ's loss, the year following Deontay's loss. That was one tweet that went viral. 300,000 plus impressions on that tweet, mind you. 300,000. That thing absolutely blew up. I never – it's always interesting to me the tweets that blow up and go viral for me. Like sometimes I I make this amazing, perfectly worded tweet. I'm like, man, this is going to be a good tweet. People are going to like this. And it gets 20 likes. And then sometimes I just make a random post, and it gets 2,000 likes. I I just don't understand it, but that's Twitter. Anyway, I posted another one, which is now pinned to my Twitter profile, which is a meme. I did not create the meme, but one of you guys forwarded it to me, I think on Instagram, and it was hilarious. I had to share it. So I I shared it, and it's, it's literally Mark Breland in the corner pouring water for Deontay Wilder, who's sitting in the corner. It's between rounds, but somebody put bill cosby's face on mark freeland i thought it was fucking hilarious by the way this is my channel so i could swear so we're going to swear today and so those were the two tweets went viral and of course there was i don't want to say a slew but a handful of responses on twitter i saw some posts on facebook and i saw some videos made on youtube all dissing me and saying all sorts of crazy things and some of them contain narratives that I've heard several times now for a while that I want to respond to and clear the air on. So I'm going to do that. Uh, But I want to also state for the people making these memes and these posts and these tweets and these, these YouTube videos that think that I'm like sitting there watching your shit or losing any sleep over this. I got news for you. I don't even know these things exist. It's people forwarding me stuff in my DMs, some of you guys have has my phone number and you're you're texting me you're emailing me stuff you're sending it to me on facebook messenger whatever it is i get i get notified of this stuff from my followers who you know are loyal to me and they understand that i'm a good guy and sometimes i have a little fun i troll a little bit but uh, i have no horse in this race i'm just trying to report on boxing the way i see it if i do have a horse in this race it's the the thoughts and, and hearts and minds of the fans first. That's why I go after the sanctioning organizations, certain promoters that I don't think are doing the fans uh, uh, or networks or whoever it is that are doing the fans right. Sometimes I think some of these guys are doing the fans wrong. And so I always put the, the, the fans' minds first. Anyway, you guys know that. And that's why some of you guys send me this shit like, man, look at the, what this motherfucker's saying about you. And I know a few of you guys out there want me to respond directly to these people and get involved in these YouTube wars, these Twitter wars. I used to go there. I used to do that. I'm not going to do that no more, okay? I've gotten to a point where I would be doing some of these people a favor, responding to them. Now, I will respond to some of the accusations and the narratives they they put out there. I will. But I'm not going to name their names. You guys can go ahead and try to figure out who it is. I'm not telling you. I used to do that, okay? It was a waste of my time, and I was uh, putting myself down to their level. And at, at this point, I'd be giving them notoriety by doing that, okay? Because a few of these guys are just straight up angry and jealous that I'm winning. And if the things they said about me were true, I wouldn't be winning right now, I wouldn't be getting more work. So, All right, first, before I get into... There's one YouTube video in particular that said a a bunch of things. I had to write a few of these down. By the way, it was a tough watch. It was about 16 minutes, and it was like watching paint dry. It got good the last 60, 90 seconds or so. But damn, was it boring and shitty. And of course, the guy doesn't show his face, although I know who it is. Um, Before I get to that, I want to address um, something that two guys in particular have been saying. So... Not going to name their names, but one guy used to be a boxing writer, a pretty respected one. who worked for some reputable platforms about a decade or so ago, and I don't know if he still occasionally writes or not. I'm not sure, but as far as I know, he is not involved in boxing media anymore. He left Los. He was in Los Angeles, and we met each other personally once or twice at least. Um, he, uh, I think, moved to the Bay Area. He's married. His wife kind of runs the the house. She's the breadwinner, and he's trying to get involved in some community theater and stuff like that. But uh, he might still occasionally write articles. Or, I I don't know. But him and this other gentleman, who is a really really his only friend left in Fight Media, at least loosely affiliated to Fight Media, who used to I don't know if he still does. He might, but I know he used to run a site that had several boxing podcasts on it. And one of the boxing podcasts for a while was one of the more popular pods, at least in the United States, maybe even around the world. And uh, that, that podcast ended a few years ago for reasons that had nothing to do with boxing. Um, And it was on, it was the fault of one of these guys. Anyway, these two people, I've seen tweets recently, again, not because I follow them, not because I'm paying attention. I haven't mentioned these dudes' names in years, but they've accused me of plagiarism. They flat out accused me of taking other people's work, plagiarizing people's work in my articles. Now, that's something I have to respond to. I'm not going to, again, not going to name names, whatever, but I take that very seriously because I have worked my motherfucking ass off in this business. And for the first three, four, five years, I wasn't getting paid. I worked for free. In fact, I spent money to work on boxing, to travel to events, whether I was traveling to Vegas, New York, uh, all over the, the Los Angeles, Southern California area. I traveled to Denver once to cover an event. I wasn't paid. The only place I was getting a little bit of money was off of YouTube here and there, and and I I was a writer first. I started YouTube second, and I started making a little money. But guys, I'm talking fifty bucks here and there. Okay, I did it because I loved it, and I learned, and I worked my way up, and I have some mentors that have shown me the ropes. Who I'm I, I I'm so thankful for them taking me under their wing to a certain extent, uh, and now I'm in a, a position where I get paid to cover the sport. And I, uh, not only that, I I get accolades. I I was brought onto the BWAA this year. I'm a voter for the hall of fame, right? There's, there's uh, certain things that I've been able to accomplish in this world. I've moved up the ladder a little bit and that makes me very, very happy. I'm very proud of that, but I've worked my ass off to get there. I just want to make this very, very clear in case any of you guys see these tweets. I have never taken somebody else's work and claimed it to be my own. Everything I write is sourced and I can provide you audio from every interview I've ever done. I interviewed Isha Smith again this week for a piece I did for, for Ring Magazine. I recorded our interview, not because I'm trying to be creepy or something, but because I need to play back the audio so I can pull exact direct quotes from our interview to put into my piece, right? So all the interviews I've done, whether it be fighters, um, people related to performance enhancing drugs, that, you know, that, that issue, uh, you know, that work at test facilities or uh, testing programs, uh, labs, uh, trainers, managers, whoever, I have that audio. I could go back and I could pull that audio. And one thing, one reason why I saved the audio too is because, in case somebody wants to say, hey, man, I never said that. You wrote so and such and such in this article. I never said that. I'll be like, yeah, you did. Here's the audio. You did say that. But I need to also add there are conversations you have where people say, hey, Mike, this is off the record. And that's when I turn the recorder off. And it's like, okay, we're talking off the record now. We're just having a conversation man to man or man to woman whatever and then oh we're back on the record boom i start recording again okay so i need to make sure i get that on the record but um i man i work so hard because i don't have a journalistic background i don't have that education that sophistication i'm a little rough around the edges you know maybe i've been called a loose cannon by a few people out there i'm learning as i go and I, I kind of take pride in that because I've able, I'm able to, I've so far been able to climb the ladder to a certain degree. And that's not because I went to college. That's not because I got somebody tutoring me. I've just learned by doing, and sometimes learned by fucking up. Actually, many times learned by fucking up. That's just how I learn. I'm hard Um So I take great pride in the work I do for Rig Magazine now. I and work I did for Boxing Monthly Magazine before and other platforms I've written for online and the stuff that I've done uh, in video format, podcast format, the radio work I've done, all that stuff. I take great pride in that. So for somebody to accuse me of plagiarizing anyone else's work, I take that personal. And I would ask these folks who are saying that about me to provide a link, provide a source, show a, a screenshot, anything where you think I plagiarized somebody's work. Give it, give one example, because you all haven't done that yet. Until you can provide an example, you know, and, and, and propose something so that I can respond to it. And then I can respond directly and explain how you're wrong, because I don't do that. Okay, a couple of super chats here. Uh, Faust says, if you got haters, you're doing something right. That's correct, my man. Thank you for the super chat. But that's very correct. Uh, Douglas Iglesias with the Super Chat. Thank you very much. He says, how much in Super, Cat, Super Chat cash for you to drop names? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to uh, I'm not gonna go there, bro. I appreciate the Super Chat. But look, I'm at a point where like I, I really don't want to drop names because that's going to give people a platform that quite frankly don't deserve one. I will say this. I will add this. The previous two people I was talking about. Uh, One of them I reached out to directly years ago because I actually made a YouTube video about this person three, four, maybe five years ago. I can't remember exactly what year it was, maybe 25, 2016, 2017. I can't remember, but I made a video because they were going after me hard on Twitter. This with this one person, it goes back several years and they were saying things. They were trying to make it seem like I started this beef with them that's not true, I, when I that's why I made the YouTube video, because I showed screenshots, dates, times, quotes. I basically put him on blast and ethered him and showed how full of shit he was. He asked me to take down the video and post a public apology. I, I told him, let's talk in person, I know where you live, we can talk in person anytime, let's clear the air on this. She said, nope, not meeting you, not talking until you post a public apology and take the video down. I met him in the middle. I took the video down, but I did not. I wasn't going to apologize for defending myself and telling the truth when somebody was lying about me. And again, I ethered him. I had names, dates, quotes, timestamps, all of it. Save screens. By the way, we text messaged. I have save screens of all the text messages. I could completely annihilate this person publicly. I haven't done that. I know things he has said to people in the boxing industry to try to get them to not do interviews with me because he didn't like me. And these people put him on blast, slammed the shit out of him. I know all, I know, I've seen emails from this, all kinds of stuff from this guy. He is a kook. He's a lunatic. I haven't mentioned his name in years. He still likes to mention my name. And his buddy, who has been saying all this plagiarism stuff lately, I messaged him directly and I said, hey, man why are you saying these things about me that you know are bullshit he said mike you're a punk lol and blocked me that was his response it was on twitter dm i asked him straight up provide an example of how i did this that the other why are you saying these things about me you know it's not true by the way i have all those uh train those uh, conversations save screened as well i could ether that person publicly I'm not mentioning their names. I'm not playing that game. I just want to put it out there that I do not plagiarize work, okay? Because I take that shit real serious. Now, this one particular YouTube video, it's very interesting, okay? And there was a few of them this week, but there was one in particular that a few of you forwarded to me. It's about 16 minutes long. Watching it was like watching paint dry. It was terribly boring. Of course this individual doesn't show their face, right? It's just them talking to a a blank screen. The people that they list as mentors, people that they've worked with and respect, are radical whack jobs that are are part of a certain community that has made Deontay Wilder their god, right? Not that I have anything against this YouTube group uh, as a whole or anything, because there's people that are a member of that group. They're actually good guys. There are. There are some of them. But some of the people in that group are absolute fucking whack jobs. And it's funny that you know a minute or so into this video, this individual names some of these people as people he's worked with or you know looks up to. So I do find that pretty interesting. Uh, I know about this person who worked up at Cisco Foods up in San Francisco and was fired because they couldn't hack it there. And tried to claim it was racism. Uh, this individual happens to be Black American, and he said it was racism why he got fired. Problem was, yeah, the warehouse manager was Black, the VP of operations, and the VP of the office were all Black. So that turned out to be complete bullshit. I bring it up because it shows a little bit about this person's mentality. They're racially racially obsessed. If you look at uh, the things they post, the things they say, the people that they follow, all kind of part of a cult that, again, lives on the fringes politically, ideologically, but doesn't understand that. Now, how do I know this information? Because I have friends that can find information on people. Uh, The individuals I brought up a minute ago. Was it very hard to find information on them? Okay, so when I start finding out information on people, I start to understand what I'm dealing with. It kind of makes me feel bad for them a little bit. It makes me kind of pity them. And that's why I kind of pull back. I'm not going to go on an assault and bash these people, uh, you know, name their names and all that. A few of you guys are asking for the video and stuff. Listen, man, I don't want to give these people a platform. If you do a search and you find a video good for you i could also say in the video this person calls kelly swanson a racist she absolutely is not kelly swanson is a good person who does good work in this business have we butted heads before yeah i know that there's things i've said and tweeted that she didn't like and her people didn't like but i can tell you she's not a racist she's a good person who works with all sorts of people in this industry and has for years If she's a racist, why does PBC continue to work almost exclusively with her? Uh, If she's a racist, she's doing a really bad job of it. This person also called Marcos Villegas a racist and a proponent of white supremacy, which I find hilarious for multiple reasons. I can tell you Marcos is not a racist, okay? He certainly is not a white supremacist. (laughs) Just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Another thing I want to bring up that was mentioned on this person's video that was That's mentioned all the time on these channels, okay? Fury and Wilder are not, uh, they, they accuse Fury of ducking the rematch. People, they've already done the fucking rematch, okay? They've had two fights. You don't call a third fight a rematch. You call it a third fight. You can't really call this a rubber match because a rubber match is when each guy's won one. That's not the case here, but it's not a fucking rematch. Sorry. Just, just annoys me. Stop calling it a rematch. Um, But they were really mad at my tweet about uh, the AJ to Deontay comparison with their losses the first year following their loss. Okay. And they said, well, well, what about, uh, you know, Tyson Fury hasn't fought in a year either. And you know Deontay uh, hasn't fought because he's been trying to get the third fight with Fury. Blah blah blah. Again, character limit on Twitter. I can't fit all that in one tweet, motherfuckers. But there's a little more nuance there that you're leaving out. Okay, Tyson Fury and his team did try to make a fight, a stay busy fight, remember, in the UK. But uh, COVID restrictions and, and time frames and things like that, scheduling, uh, became an issue, and so they didn't they didn't go forward with it. And Wilder's team only started talking about the third fight, not a rematch, third fight. They only started talking about that after the contractual deadline had passed. Bob Aram and his team have a lot of legal knowledge, okay? There's lawyers and lawyers up people on that team. They know what the fuck they're doing. If there was any chance that Wilder and his team, there was any credence, to, to the third fight being contractually mandated still, Bob Arum and his team would not be going forward with the Anthony Joshua fight. Also, what's better for boxing? Tyson Fury fighting Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury beating Deontay Wilder again? What's better for boxing? Which one would you guys rather see? I'd rather see Tyson Fury fight Anthony Joshua twice this year or maybe it goes into next year by now. And then Deontay Wilder get back in the ring against guys like Andy Ruiz, uh, you know, Dillian White, fighters like that. Because I think Dillian White's going to beat Povetkin in their rematch. Right, if Povetkin wins again, get in there against Povetkin. Get in there against these guys and prove yourself as a top heavyweight, which I still think Deontay Wilder can be. He can come back from this and he can prove he's a top heavyweight. Then rematch the winner between Fury and Joshua. That's what's better for boxing. Only a fucking stunad, that means moron, would not want to see that. Okay, what else did this person say? Um, oh, what's, al- what's also funny about these YouTube videos that call me racist, of course, they were calling, uh, first of all, they called my tweet about Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua racist, right? I was complimenting Anthony Joshua And criticizing Deontay Wilder. Now, I'm not a genius. Not trying to pretend to be one. But isn't Anthony Joshua just as black as Deontay Wilder? I don't know. I'm just just throwing it out there. I'm complimenting one guy, criticizing one guy. I'm talking about them as equals in my eyes as human beings. uh, But I'm criticizing one and complimenting another one. How the fuck is that racist? How? I've had people a million times work very, very hard to try to find some little tiny microscopic bit of a tweet I posted and somehow make it racist. And I have fucked up by choosing my words poorly in some tweets and giving those people fire for their bullshit, okay? Giving them fuel, I should say, for their fire. But in this case, there is absolutely nothing about that tweet that even the most radical fucked up idiot could could deem racist nothing yet that's the first place this guy goes on his fucking youtube video oh my god also also he uses racial slurs throughout his video describing me and describing other people he refers to mexican americans as greasers and he refers to my people as tony maneros yeah so He's using racist terms by calling my, and then calling my tweet racist. I love it. Meanwhile, I'm married to a woman of a different race. My sister and my brother-in-law and my nephew who are visiting us this weekend, my brother-in-law is of another race. My nephew is biracial. I have You guys have, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw a picture of my family that I posted after uh, the memorial for my for my brother Anthony. You saw how diverse my family is, okay? And mind you, I I don't pay that much attention to ethnic diversity because I think it's fucking stupid. Um, In the terms, in the context of, I don't think people are really that different, okay? Where people differ is their political worldviews and stuff like that. So. Where my family is really diverse, yes, we're ethnically, racially diverse, of course. But where we're really diverse is our political worldviews and the things that we're into. I have family members that voted for Joe Biden. I have family members that voted for Donald Trump. I have family members that have never voted. I have family members that have been to jail. Well, I've been to jail a couple nights myself. I've had family members that have never been to jail. I have family members all over the political and ideological spectrum. And guess what? We all love each other and we accept our differences. Isn't that amazing? Yet the guy calling me racist for making a tweet where I criticize and compliment two black men uh, seems to forget all that while using racial slurs during his own fucking video. I can't write this shit, guys. Oh, also, also, uh, you know what? A couple people have accused me of this. This dude said I'm a steroid user. That is hilarious. Okay, let let me state for the record... I have never used performance-enhancing drugs in my life. I don't even take supplements unless unless you you uh, consider protein powder as a supplement. In that case, okay, I, I do use supplements. I have never used a performance-enhancing drug in my life. And I think it's hilarious that he accuses me of using steroids. Guys, do I look like someone who, who uses steroids? I mean, I'm muscular, but I'm not fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger over here. I've worked my ass off in sports and athletics since I was 10, 11 years old. Okay. I have worked out. I have trained for three quarters of my life. I'm 41 years old. I was in the fucking Marine Corps. I've ran more miles than most of you motherfuckers out there dissing me combined will ever run in your lives. Okay. I don't use steroids. What the fuck, dude? And then I, I report on performance-enhancing drugs and boxing. I talk about all these things. I bash the shit out of these guys. And then this motherfucker's accusing me of using steroids. I just found that to be hilarious. By the way, I got a little beer gut right now after uh, the holidays and the, the death of my brother and the depression. I, I fully admit there was a month or two where all I did was drink and eat. So if, I, if I'm a steroid user, I'm a really stupid, shitty one because I got a little chub right now in my gut that I'm trying to work off. Give me a month. That shit's going to be gone. But I found that to be hilarious. Now here's, oh, I think I saw some super chats. Hang on one second, guys. Oh, I did. I'm sorry, guys. I missed a couple of... Douglas with another super chat. Thank you so much. He says, uh, you do a great work, bro. Keep it going. Integrity. Thank you so much, Douglas. I appreciate that. And then Jan Vanderbus, Thank you so much for the super chat. He just, he just gave me a super chat. No, uh, no comment. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, anyway, another one. This, this, so I really want to clear the air on this one. Okay, two more, two more items, guys, and then we'll leave it alone. Uh, maybe I'll get to the chat and stuff. But um, this guy, and I've heard a few of these other whack jobs say this about me before, that I am a failed actor. Okay, I don't know if you guys have seen this, uh, but a few of these guys say this about me. Let me clear the air on this whole acting thing. Never in my life has acting been a full-time pursuit of mine, a full-time passion where I quit my job, where I quit my day job, and, uh, you know, waited tables or didn't work or whatever to pursue acting full-time. I lived in Los Angeles for a decade, and while I was out there, I did get involved in acting. Kind of, I won't say by accident, but – Through friends of friends and actually ended up taking some acting classes i I went through a for those of you who are in that industry you'll you'll know what meisner is i took a meisner technique class um i went through the groundlings program which is a comedy like live sketch program i went through second city Uh, a lot of the saturday night live people have gone through those programs I had friends that are really big into that world. In fact, I still I still have friends that work in that world full time. I have friends that you guys would know their names, okay? I'm not saying that to fucking brag. I'm just saying these are friends of mine. And guess what? When we're together, we don't even talk about Hollywood shit. We don't talk about acting. We talk about shit from back home. We talk about boxing. We talk about things like that. They just happen to work in that business. But... I did get involved in acting when I lived in LA. I actually did before I got involved in LA. Full disclosure, a couple of years before I moved to LA, a girl I was dating who turned out to be a psychopath, but she was a lot of fun though too, <laughs> but she was a psychopath. Uh, she bought me an acting class. It was like a six week acting, I don't know what the hell you call it, uh, it's not a class, but a conference, something like that. It was like six weeks long. She bought that for me as a birthday present because she said, Mike, uh, you're too guarded. You need to get out of your skin a little bit. You need to be more vulnerable. Go take this class. You're too much of the tough guy, the too much reserved tough guy. Take this acting class. So she bought it for me for a birthday present. And it was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed it because I could just be a big fucking clown, a big idiot And no one judged me. It was kind of fun. I enjoyed it. So anyway, long story short, when I'm in Los Angeles, I end up, I never had an agent. That tells you how much I pursued acting. I've never had an agent. I've only had a manager. I had a manager represent me out there for a number of years. And they get me auditions from time to time. Because they're like, oh, you're a tall guy. You're authoritative. You could play a cop. You know, that sort of of role. Like, shit, yeah, I'll, I'll fucking do it. And... When I say a few auditions, guys, I'm talking three, four, maybe five auditions a year, okay? And I lived in Koreatown, which is very, very close to Hollywood, in the CBS lot and all that stuff where they do like the Price is Right and all that. I was very not too far, five miles or something. So I would go and audition, and I ended, I ended up booking a few things. I, I had um, recurring roles on two different soap operas. I booked national commercials. And so let me tell you, national commercials pay good Real good, way better than my soap opera work um I booked some some episodics, some TV shows. I think some of them are still running, but um uh, yeah, actually, several of them are still running um some national print ad campaigns. I did some live sketch comedy stuff. I have a few clips of it i just a handful of clips that I've posted on youtube before but youtube blocks a lot of them because they're copyrighted even though i don't monetize them they, they still block a lot of them but i don't have clips of most of my work but some of it and then yes i did some really shitty like college films and like indie films that were fucking terrible and it's embarrassing to look at some of those but i met so much chicks doing that shit oh my god i got stories for days anyway i have accomplished more in acting the 90% of motherfuckers who ever tried to do acting, and I never tried to do it full-time. I dabbled in it part-time for fun because I fucking lived in Los Angeles. Why wouldn't you if you're you're being given offers to do some things, right? Once I got to a certain point in boxing, I stopped doing it. I told my manager, because my manager would be like, hey, can you go audition for this? Can you go audition for that? I'd say, I can't. I'm going to go cover this fight. I'm going to go cover that event. I can't get to this audition. I can't do it. So I started turning down a few things. And finally my manager said, look, I gotta let you go because you've turned down the last four or five auditions uh, for for this boxing stuff. Keep doing that. But if you ever want to get back into acting, holler at me. Okay. It just so happens that uh, one of these individuals I used to work with has relocated to the East coast and the Southeast. So being in Atlanta now where guess guess what the second biggest market in America for acting is right now it's not New York it's Atlanta the southeast is blowing up there's a lot of shit going on down here now i'm not back in acting at all right now but if i decide to get ever if i ever decide to get back into it i'm in a good position being here in Atlanta now because there's a bunch of studios here and they they shoot a bunch of shit down here so maybe i'll get back into it at some point maybe not But I do find it funny that these guys say, I only got into boxing because I'm a failed actor. Meanwhile, I've been involved in boxing way before I ever dabbled in acting. I started blogging on boxing back on eastsideboxing.com. Remember Eastside Boxing? Back in like 2001, 2002, okay? I didn't get involved in acting at all until, I don't know, 2008, 2009, and I haven't been doing any acting stuff for the last three or four years. I've been busy relocating, moving across the country, getting married, buying a house. Uh, and then boxing has been taking up my full time. So the I just want to put that out there. Sorry if it's too much information. I'm boring the shit out of you guys. But I just want to put that out there because these guys talk like I am a lifelong actor and I just couldn't cut it, you know, and I gave up my life. Fuck that. I was living out in L.A., right down the street is Hollywood. I had some friends who work in that business. And they said, hey, Mike, you want to come check this out? Okay. I did it part-time on nights and weekends. And you know what? Even doing that, as, as a matter of fact, I just got two residual checks this week from, uh, from some acting shit I did like a decade ago. I still get residual checks because now the shit's played overseas and online and stuff like that, you know, like on Hulu and stuff. But, like, even just doing it part-time, fucking around for just some fun, I still accomplish more than 90% of people who ever pursue that shit, okay? And I met so many girls doing that shit. Again, we'll do a different video on that subject. But, so, anyway, just want to clear the air on that one because that's a really funny narrative that some of these guys use. And, again, it's just straight-up jealousy because these guys know the truth. Another super chat pledge from Johnny's Fight Palace. What's up, Johnny? It says, Mike punched the guy at acting class like Christopher osso <laughs> Oh, dude, that's a great episode. Holy shit. But you know what? I actually have seen some crazy shit at those acting classes. Um, well, I'll say one time I was being a reader. Uh, I, a friend of mine who's, who is a casting director, he still is, but he's kind of like half retired now because he's older. But he was casting like this indie film And it was like maybe $500,000 budget, like that level of film. And he goes, Mike, can you be a reader? Because him being the casting director behind the camera, he wants to watch the actor. He doesn't want to be reading with them. So I'd sit like on the other side of the camera and read, right? And I would uh, read the lines. Dude reads them back with me. And man, I learned so much by doing. I actually ended up doing that a bunch of different times for several different casting directors. But anyway, there was this one time where this dude – There was a part in this movie where uh, there was a physical, like, fight scene, right? And it's hard to, like, audition for a fight scene because what do you do? Like, just punch the air and shit, you know? What I always would do, you got your script, is I would just kind of enact with my face and do, like, some steps and stuff, but I would never enact, like, I'd never shadow box unless they asked for that, which they never did. You're trying to show the emotion of that scene. This motherfucker, there's one particular actor, puts down the script, walks over to me and grabs my shirt and starts shaking me, okay? I'm talking, the camera's here, I'm behind the camera. This motherfucker walks off camera and starts shaking me. And I I push him off, like, what the fuck? And, you know, he got mad at me, but the casting director goes, yeah, what the fuck? Get out. I shit you not, this dude put down the script... Walked behind the camera and like was shaking me like we're in a fight. I'm like, you fucking idiot! What do you? You'd see stuff like that all the time, dude, all the time. Oh man, I got so many of those kind of stories. I will say it, it was interesting going to those acting classes because it, it was my first time seeing people that grew up with money. My first time seeing people that grew up like in the suburbs. Um, Middle class, upper middle class. And I'd be amazed because I'd be in these acting classes, whether it was like drama shit or comedy shit or like commercials. I took commercial acting classes. And you'd see these girls, you know, that were 22, just graduated from like Boston University. And their dad, their mom flew them to LA. And they're like, you got two years. And he put them up in an apartment, paid for the shit. These girls didn't even work. Their parents were putting them up in an apartment. And I'd talk to them, and I'd be like, what? Like, I couldn't understand that. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, are your parents helping you? I'm like, no, my fucking parents are broke. I was born in a trailer park. I have to work one, if not two fucking jobs to pay my rent. I come to this acting class because my boy over there takes it too, and he invited me to take it. And I'd meet these people, and I end up fucking a lot of the girls. But the guys – the reason why I score with so many of the chicks is because the guys were just like that too in the class. And you'd see these beta, these beta male types that were soy boy, motherfucker, never lifted a weight, probably never been in a fight in their life. And they're getting put up by their parents in this acting class. And they're afraid of their own shadow. They're ashamed of having a dick, right? And then I walk into the, you know, my fucking dick enters the room two minutes before I do. You know what I'm saying? I'm fucking in, Hey, let's fucking read this script. You know, I'm, I'm just being myself. And these girls like, oh, he's so brash. And uh, meanwhile, they're fucking getting wet. And I end up dating half these chicks. Dude, it was a really good time. I could seriously write a fucking book on my experiences in acting. And what I find most interesting now is the people on Twitter, in the boxing media, quote-unquote, that are the most outraged and always say, this person's racist, that person's sexist, (laughs) privilege, you know. Those guys are the same motherfuckers that I was in those acting classes with. That we'd have beers when they'd be like, Mike, how do you do it? Well, first of all, see this barbell? Lift a few of these, you motherfucker. Deepen your voice a little bit. You know, stick your chest out. Like I was coaching these little fucking dudes. It's just amazing. It's the same motherfuckers that were the little beta males working in Hollywood. Dude, that industry is run by those dudes. Seriously. Those motherfuckers are the same guys in media that are on the fringes of media that are perpetually outraged. Calling everyone else this day at the other. Same dudes, man. Same dudes. And you guys, just think of some of these names. Okay, I'm not saying people's names. But you know some of the people I'm talking about, because some of you guys have interacted with them as well. Imagine, just remember what they look like. You know what I'm saying? The ones that actually show their profile picture. They all kind of look the same, right? The little bitch-made beta motherfuckers that are ashamed of having balls. Oh, boy. There's a bunch of one-liners that are going to be used from this video. (laughs) Uh, Okay, back to the Super Chat. Let's see. Uh, Steve. Tietelbaum, Steve Tiedalbom, thank you so much for the super chat. He says thoughts on Daniel Keenahan. Look, I I don't know what to say about the Kenahan thing. Um, some of it may be conjecture, but some of it is fact. We know that these people, this this these groups, this group of people. Has caused uh, some death, some destruction. They're trafficking drugs. They're laundering money. We know that for a fact. Now, Daniel Kinnihan's involvement in that, a lot of it is based in conjecture. There has been no hard physical evidence linking him to all this stuff irrefutably. At the same time, there's been no solid evidence linking him to MTK Global in terms of using illegal funds or you know, washing money through that. So, at this point, what can you say? Um, boxing has been uh, a place where bad actors could operate for a long, long time. A long, long time. So, I don't know much about the Keenahans personally or anything like that. I have talked to some people off the record that say some really some, some crazy things about them, you know. But um, if these fighters are signing with them, I find it hard to believe that somebody like Tyson Fury felt bullied into signing with MTK global and Keenan. They must be getting something out of it if they keep signing with these dudes. Um, But I can certainly understand why people would want to be cautious dealing with them. However, they are hardly the first people involved in boxing that had a questionable past or questionable present. You know what I'm saying? So, until there's some hard physical evidence that really, really links all these, all this together, what can you say other than I don't love it? I, I don't love. I mean, seeing some of the the murders and stuff that these guys have been involved in—that's some cold-blooded shit. I had no idea there was that many bodies tied to this. I didn't know it was getting down like that over there. I didn't realize there was, you know, that many, that that much murder in that part of the world. Because what you always hear here in the American media. Is, you know, we're the most violent country on earth and we're the only country with gun violence and gang violence. Really? Well, the key to the hands, there's plenty of shit going on over there, too. So uh, some of that was surprising to, to hear. But again, man, you got to have solid evidence leaking all of it together. You know what I'm saying? OK. Oh, last thing. And this kind of relates to the failed actor thing. Uh, this person says that I ran to, Los, or I ran to Atlanta because I couldn't cut it in Los Angeles. Okay. I feel like this video has turned into me bragging about me. I swear, guys, it's not what this is. I, I'm a humble guy. You guys know that about me. But sometimes you got to just set the record straight and defend yourself. I moved to Los Angeles. And some of you have heard this story a thousand times. I apologize. For those of you who haven't, though, I moved to Los Angeles in 2009 with no job, I had a little bit of money saved up had a few thousand bucks saved up, but no job, no home. I slept on a friend's floor. It was kind of a makeshift office. They had made out of a closet. It was like a big closet and I slept on the floor. I had um, a a big Tupperware kind of thing that I threw clothes in and I would flip it over and I'd put a, I had a computer that would sit on top of that on the top of the little plastic thing. That was my table. I'd sit on the fucking floor get on the computer every morning, and search for jobs. And I'd eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and drink Folgers Crystals coffee. That was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner for about six months. That's how I started in L.A. I went from that to owning not one home and flipping it, but a second home and flipping it. And uh, building a good career. For those of you who don't know, I do some reporting Uh, financial reporting work as a consultant in uh, used to be in banking, but now in in technology consulting, I do that as the day job uh, for, for extra money. Okay. Uh, I did it full time in LA uh, as my job when I would do acting part-time and boxing part-time as I grew in boxing and I got to be more full time with it. I pulled back and I really haven't done acting in years I just don't have the fucking time. Uh, uh, And on the consulting stuff, I've pulled back on that too. And I just do it for money to help pay the bills. So, um, but in that field out in LA, I built my resume. I went to Los Angeles City College for a couple years on nights and weekends, common theme here. And um, when I wasn't taking an acting class or going to a boxing show, I was going to LA City College and studying database development. And I learned about uh, different software, Excel, SQL, that kind of shit. I won't get too nerdy with you guys. But I got a skills certificate and all that, applied that to that work, and moved my way up in the world. I did all that in Los Angeles. I I met my uh, girlfriend slash fiance and now slash wife here in Atlanta. When we got engaged in 2018, we had a long talk, and we made the decision that we did not want to, we want to have kids one day, that we did not want to raise kids in Los Angeles. So we went around the country to like five different cities. We actually visited for a few months, five different cities, looking for a place to relocate to. We went to Dallas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Nashville, Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia. I might be forgetting one. No, I think that's it. I think those were the five and we narrowed it down now for the record i'll admit i wanted to go to chicago my walk and talk is more chicago that i just i would fit in there more than anywhere else but my wife doesn't do cold and the taxes up there not as bad as california but still pretty shitty so we decided on atlanta because atlanta has a media market I work in media, so it's important to be at least – it's it's a medium-sized media market, but there is a media presence here, more so than the others – even more than Chicago. Atlanta has more going on in terms of media presence, media muscle, than Chicago, Dallas, all those other cities I named. Uh, Nashville does too, but Atlanta does more. They've had Olympics here. They've had Super Bowls here, right? There is a media presence here. And that was important to me because I do work in media. Also it's kind of centrally located where um we can I can get to Dallas, you know, cuz there's more and more fights. I shouldn't just say Dallas. I can get to Texas and cover fights there. I can get back to Detroit to see family. I can get up to New York. Okay, so it's kind of east coast uh, eastern half of the country located where we can get to I can get to all those events for boxing. I'm going to Miami in two weeks to cover the Canelo Udirum card. And I'll probably be going to Florida a lot this year because there's going to be more shows going there. So I could get up to New York, 90-minute flight. I could get down to Miami. That's like a maybe a 90-minute flight, probably less than that. I could get over to uh, uh, Texas in two hours. I could get back to Detroit, Chicago, whatever it is, 90 minutes. So we like the location of Atlanta, the media market. But more than anything, man – it's cheap here. It's really affordable and it's growing. I think it's the 10th biggest city in the country, but media market-wise, it ranks higher than that. And I think it's, they predict the Atlanta Metro will have over 10 million people within the next 20 years. Some of the best schools are here, public schools in the part of Atlanta that we live. We're not downtown in Atlanta. We're in North Fulton County, north of town. So we are where the money is here. Like we were working class in LA. We come here, we're middle class. Just like that. So that was all part of the reasons why we moved here. I lived in L.A. for a decade. I could not only could I cut it there. I fucking crushed L.A. I doubled my self worth financially. Actually, more than fucking doubled. I built up my resume. I built uh, myself up in the boxing world. Cut my teeth there. I accomplished some things in the entertainment industry. I can go on and on. To say I couldn't cut it in LA and ran to Atlanta what the fuck dude what the fuck oh Captain Hook Chronicles on the super chat thank you so much he says at this point this guy is in love with you <laughs> probably I-, I do think some of these betas are sexually attracted to me I just think that they, some of these dudes and again I'm just a pawn on the chessboard, man I'm just a guy somewhere in the middle who started on the bottom I'm not at the top, but I am in the middle now. And that means that there are some people on the bottom looking up at me and they're jealous. They're mad. The people at the very top of this business or any, any, any business, I'm not looking up at them with jealousy. I'm looking up at them like, how the fuck can I be like them soon? What do I got to do? Right. Um, How much harder do I got to work? I'm planning and strategizing so that I can get up to their level. I'm not hating on them and trying to pull them down. That's a crab in the bucket. Deontay Wilder called Kendi Bayless a crab in a bucket. Yeah, that, that definition quite didn't fit that situation, okay? Anyway, um, all right, guys. Whew. I feel like I need a fucking beer after that, which, by the way, I haven't had a beer in a long time because I'm trying to cut down that weight, man. I'm trying to cut down that weight and get in shape. You guys have seen some of the stuff i posted in the gym. I'll post some more. But... uh For those of you who don't swear, sorry I said fuck so much in this video. I just couldn't help it. But I think I got everything off my chest, man. I I love that the dude accused me of using steroids. That's hilarious. I love that this dude got fired from a job and tried to make it about race when it was black management that fired him. He's a black guy. Um, And then some of the people he named as mentors. If I named these names, you guys would laugh your ass off. But uh, the people he called racist, eh, not racist. Man, yeah. anyway, let's see. I'll go in the chat real quick and then we'll pinch this off. I actually got an appointment here in a couple hours I got to get ready for. If you guys haven't um, read my piece, Isha Smith, Best I Faced, check it out. It's on ring.com right now. Uh, RingTV.com, sorry. Isha's is a cool guy, man. Great follow on Twitter. You guys have seen him troll the hell. Uh, the same people, by the way, the same people talking shit about me with this Deontay Wilder thing had been talking shit about Ishe. They even threatened physical violence and they were calling him a racist. Hilarious. Hilarious. Oh man. (laughs) Timmy Turner says, Michael in top form today. (laughs) Johnny's fight palace. The word fuck is the greatest invention to man. It is. Fuck is the best swear word. Because you can take fuck and add it to any word, and it's great. You, I could say fuckhead, or hey, fuck nuts, or hey, fuck face, or hey, fuck lips, or just whatever. You just, you take any word and add it to fuck, you instantly double the swear word, you can make it funny. I like fuck nuts. Because you, you call someone a fuck nuts, they're like, what? They don't even know what you're saying. I love it. Uh. Premium Boxing tip says, if you're not called a racist, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Women of the Night says, fuck stick. I love it. Fuck stick can have different meanings. You know what I mean? See what I did there? Uh, Midwest Boxing says, any insights on the Gina Carano canceling by Disney? You know, dude, I've booked some work through Disney talking about acting. One of the residual checks I got this week was from Disney. So I'd like to go on a big, long rant about Disney. Won't do that. However, I would say Gina Carano got fired for literally posting the same kinds of shit people on the other side of the political spectrum post all the time, daily, including people that work or have worked or still do work at Disney. So I think it's very, very hypocritical. For you know, I've talked about this before, but guys, I'm a political moderate. I'm not right or left. Uh, technically speaking, I'm probably slightly to the left socially and maybe slightly to the right uh, fiscally. But every damn political test I take, I'm like right down the middle. And I always wind up in the classical liberal category. But classical liberal, I guess, in modern day, Uh, times, I guess, would be considered right of center in media because the media has shifted so far to the left. Uh, But there's nothing wrong with being on the left. There's nothing wrong with being on the right. Again, I have friends and family members who voted for both people. Okay? Um, So it's all good, whatever your beliefs are. My whole thing is, man, just don't be biased about it. If you're going to fire one person for – saying stuff that maybe some of it was ill-advised, you know. Uh, Some of it, there was some kernel of truth to it, but could have chose her words better, could have chose better examples to make her point. But I see people on the other side doing that all the time. Remember, guys, I work in media. I have friends in entertainment. I've dabbled in entertainment for a long time. And I know the way those people think, you know. And and it's just very interesting to me that you're going to go after one side – my whole thing is clean up your own damn house before you bitch about your neighbors. That's my thing. That's maybe why I'm a little more critical of the left because I do kind of feel I'm more on that side. Although it's in a moderate. If if take take a uh, American football field, right, on the political spectrum, the fifty yard line is the middle. I'm probably on the forty yard line on the left side. Okay, just to kind of physically describe where I'm at politically. But y'all motherfuckers like to stay in the end zones and yell at everyone. And it's like, I feel like I'm in this lonely Island between the two forty yard lines. I feel like there's very few of us left. Uh, and it's like, I, who the hell do I vote for? Who you know? I feel like there's not many people I can even talk to politically anymore without people without being judged. Because if you're on the left side of the field, the end zone, even though I'm on your side of the field, if I'm on the 40 yard line, the 45 yard line, you're looking at me like, radical extremist and the same thing on the other side you know if you're on the right side of the end zone and you see i'm just slightly over midfield you're not radical no i'm not dude i'm in the middle of the fucking field you're standing under the damn goalpost. you're the fucking radical people just don't clean up their own shit man they don't look in the mirror first ma with the super chat appreciate that man he says uh just some love for bringing some sense into the sometimes toxic YouTube boxing community. I don't always agree, but your commentary is A1 either way. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that. And that's a great one to go out on, man, because we're not supposed to agree all the time. That's part of how it would be so fucking boring if we agreed on everything. If we all thought, you know, that if we all had the exact same top 10 pound for pound list, why even post the top 10 pound for pound list? We're supposed to disagree and talk about it and make our points. And guess what? There's been a million times – you guys have seen it here on my show with my callers and stuff where uh, I'll think one way, but a caller will make a point or I'll read something and somebody will make a point And I'll go, damn, I never thought about it that way. And then I'll kind of it'll, – it'll enhance my point of view on the issue. And that's where growth happens. I seek out people who have a different opinion than me. I wish all these haters... Guys, if you know these people, tell them to call the damn show. I wish the LDBC guys would call my damn show. I really, really do. Because I wouldn't cuss them out. I wouldn't be like, hey man, what the fuck are you calling my show? I'd be so happy they called. Because I'd want to talk to them. And have an actual conversation. But, I think some of those guys... Don't want to call because they understand that what they're doing is divisive. It's not based in reality or fact or logic or reason. It's based in conjecture and anger and hatred and insecurity. So, why call a guy like me who wants to have a fact based discussion with a little bit of opinion and some passion thrown in there, of course, but fact based, logic based, you know, a balanced discussion? You don't want to have that. Those guys, that's why they don't call. That's why they don't call the show. But believe me, in a minute, if any of those guys wanted to call in here, I'd have them on. Trust me. And open invite to anybody. Even this dude that made this stupid fucking video about me this week. I ain't going to name your name here, although I know your real name. I know know a lot about you, dude. It's not hard to find out info on people. I got some friends. But if you want to make a name for yourself, call into my show. I'm going to challenge you on that. Call into my show and talk to me. You want to get on ringtv.com? Call into my show. You can say your name. You can plug your channel. Call into my show and have a real adult, grown-up discussion with me. That's how you're going to get your name out there, dude. I ain't going to build it up for you. All right, guys. On that note, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. I had uh, a great time ranting, and I hope that you didn't mind me Screaming a little bit and foaming at the mouth and getting some things off my chest, all right? I will see you at the fights. We'll do TNC Monday. Have a good weekend. Love you guys.